Hey ladies, I hope you're having a great week. Why is this podcast coming out on Wednesday this week? Well, this is the last day, this is January 10th, that you are able to start the Stop Over Drinking Roadmap course with 10 other women so that you can get rocking and rolling. There is no official start date. You would do it at your own pace. That is just how many have said yes to themselves this past few weeks. And they're ready for you to come in and join the student community. We're going to meet at least once a month together on a Zoom where you can bring your challenges, your celebrations, things that you want me to help you, give you support in right there. And the student community just helps you hold accountable where you can share your homework and connect with others if you choose it. But really more than all, this is your map that you can walk through less than 30 minutes to an hour a week to where you can watch the videos and walk through, okay, what are the steps that I need to take to be aware to be honest, to acknowledge what's going on, to remove the alcohol, specific tools that will help me as I am struggling with sleep, or I'm struggling with cravings, or I'm struggling with emotions. All that is in the Stop Over Drinking Roadmap. So I encourage you to say yes to yourself, invest. You will, if you do choose to remove alcohol, you will save money. I guarantee it. Um, This is a very affordable course to help you, and you've got it. It's yours forever to go back to and rewatch the modules. Honestly, anytime you're doing any new learning and absorbing new skills, you need to have it on repeat, which is exactly why I created this, so you could watch it and listen over and over. Now, you don't have to sit at your computer and watch it. The slides are available for you to go through and read. You could just play this on your way to work or on your way home to just hear my voice and learn specific tools to help you. So that is why I wanted to put this last this last chance message out today to receive $50 off. Go to setfreesisterhood.com slash roadmap and your code is YES2024. So, and we're going to dive into an interview today. I'm so excited. I haven't had an interview in a while. And Alicia and I talked a little bit into the last um, part of the year. And I've saved this episode so I could share it with you now. So let me tell you a little bit about her. And then we'll dive into the episode. Alicia Lyons is a master neurotransformation results coach, the co-director of Raising Enlightened Children, an author and co-author of several books and a podcast host. As a proud mother of a son who has been her own course corrector, she now leads parents through long-lasting neurological shifts to help ease their guilt and increase their emotional peace to find their happy. If you want to know more about her, I'll put the link in the show notes, but it is RaisingEnlightenedChildren.com. And she's going to tell you a little bit about her book that she has written and re-released in November of 2023. I think that would be a beautiful addition to your growth journey. And I um, know Alicia through our coaching certification program and just the group of coaches and have seen her and experienced her a little bit inside of those groups. And we're just going to talk a little bit more today about mom guilt and lots of processes related to that. I just think this will be a helpful, loving episode to support you on your journey. And I hope you have an amazing week and I look forward to connecting with you soon, ladies. 
Hey sister, are you newly alcohol free, but you've been hanging on for dear life, hoping you don't fall backward? Or maybe you're still stuck in the cycle of overdrinking, even when you told yourself you would stop, waking up each day with thoughts of self-loathing? Is your anxiety through the roof so much that you wake up at 3 a.m. with your heart racing and negative thoughts about yourself? You hide it so well, not many people know. Girl, I get you and I see you. I'm Michelle Porterfield and for so many years I experienced all of this. Here's the deal, quitting drinking is just the first step. I believe that's why it can be so scary. We know deep down it's more. Once we see what's underneath all the covering up, true freedom is found and I'm here to help you do just that. So whether you're newly alcohol free or just sober curious, there is freedom on the other side. I can't wait to help you ditch the wine witch, or help you find your mindset breakthrough and reignite your purpose after alcohol. Girlfriend, you are in the right place. Welcome to Set Free Sisterhood. Hey ladies, as I said in the intro, I'm here with my friend, Alicia. Hey Alicia. How's it going? I am awesome. I'm so glad you're here. We, um, I actually know Alicia, but I don't know, know her. We are in the same coaching community and she's been doing it way longer than me and probably been certified 25,000 times and comes to all the, <laughs> the trainings. She's known as um, just an awesome master coach. So would you just kind of share with my audience first a little bit about who you are and who you serve? And then we're going to dive in and talk about some mom guilt today. Absolutely. And it was actually funny um, that you said you don't know, know me because I was talking to one of my friends this morning and I said, you know, we only know the parts like people only know the parts of us that we share. So it was in the context of like being mad that somebody doesn't know this one side of me. And it's like, well, I've actually never shared that side with that person. So I really can't be mad at them for not knowing that about me. Um, so I, I like so to introduce you to me. I love deep conversations. So this was literally like a seven o'clock in the morning conversation <laughs> with a friend of mine. <laughs> Wait, I love it. So um, my name is Alicia Lyons um, and I am a certified master neurotransformational coach, uh, which is a lot of words to say that I help people. Um, and I, what I, I help moms. Um, well, for the last several years, I've been working specifically with moms to release mom guilt. Um, and as of three months ago, I partnered with a, a friend of mine, Melanie Soloway, and we started um, our company, uh, Raising Enlightened Children. Um, by started the company, I mean, I took it over. It was already existed. And I was like, okay, Melanie, let's go. We're doing this now. <laughs> um, but uh, we, and then literally two days ago, we were like, we need to teach intuitive parenting because parent somewhere along the way, um, people have been called or calling themselves parenting experts and we actually asked the question well what is a parenting expert and for years I was coaching moms on the stuff that they're struggling with and I was very adamant about I am not a parenting coach 
I coach moms. So I coach the person. I don't coach the role, if that makes sense. And I was adamant about that because I'm an, somewhat of an expert on my kid. I know how I how to raise my kid. I don't know anything about your children or how you want to raise them or what they need from you specifically. So I was very clear on that. Um, and when I partnered with Melanie, you know, she had all the parenting tools. And so she was a certified parent parenting educator. And I almost called her an expert. Um, and she is, she's phenomenal with, with what she knows about um, parenting and the tools that she brings to the table. Um, but it really comes down to what is aligned for you as a mom, as a parent, what's aligned for your children. Cause you're like three different kids can be completely different from one another and you could parent them all the same. And, and that's really doing a disservice to the individuals that you're, that you're raising. Yeah. I love it. The, the image I got to was what we've talked about many times inside of the, uh, deeper conversations and coaching community is around recipes and how, right. how would someone else's step-by-step raising children recipe work for all the different children in the world or just in your own, like you said, your family unit. Cause I have three and they right. are by far very different. They respond differently to different disciplines and even just the communication. So I love that you really, talk to and help support women. And even on the intuitive parenting, I've never even heard it that way. I've, we've heard a lot about that when it comes to intuitive eating and that's really checking in and noticing and witnessing. So let's talk about that a little bit first. Yeah. Um, so in, I, I wrote a book um, three, three years ago. I think I released it for the first time three years ago excuse me, I think it was in 2019. It just like was a download. Um, and, uh, it's, I'm re-releasing it on, um, November 7th, uh, and it's called good mom rules. And, um, inside the book, I, I did talk about being an intuitive parent. I, I didn't have the language necessarily at the time, but it was like, because I'm not an expert on how to raise your kid. Um, I, you know, I, I got information. I got, um, advice from people. I, there were people I went to for advice and there were people who would give me advice. This is one of the chapters is like, you know, a, a good mom doesn't need advice. And there's, there's people who feel guilty about like this person's giving me advice and it's not aligned with me. And I don't want to do that. Mm. And so, I had similar feelings and there was someone in my life that was very vocal about her opinions on how to raise um, my son and they did not feel aligned with me. And I had to set a boundary with this person. And I said, I love you. And I appreciate that you're trying to help. And when I need advice, I will come ask you for it. Um, but I would appreciate if you would not give me unsolicited advice. And that was how I handled the guilt of like you, what you, like I literally felt like this person, I had to do what this person 
said to do. And it created all this inner turmoil because I knew I didn't want to do it. So specifically, she was advising me to spank my son when he was um, misbehaving. Mm -hmm. And I had committed to not spanking my son because it was, it was something that at the time that I did spank him, um, it turned into a way for me to release anger. And I was very aware of that. And that was when I was like, well, I, I, I don't want to cross that line. And so I stopped, you know, cold Turkey. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the beauty of that self-awareness. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, I think that there's so much in that around just awareness, knowing, knowing what you value anyway. And I think that's a good conversation from, you know, even the perspective of my audiences, I talk a lot about values and how that those are huge drivers towards our actions. And we can think about that as it relates to how to parent, how to discipline, how to encourage, how to uplift. And I love that you also stated a very healthy boundary because that's important too, because you knew that that you had a relationship with this person. And I think a lot of times when women hear this whole boundary word, they think of it as more of a rule or I have to tell them to stop versus really looking at, okay, what is the need that I'm trying to protect here so that I can still maintain this relationship? Because sometimes, yes, it's true. Sometimes we do have to separate and detach from relationships. And that's not really what I'm talking about here, but just recognizing, okay, I care about this person and she clearly cares about me. But whenever we talk about this, I'm feeling this energy in my body. I'm feeling resistance. I've got to be the one to create a healthy boundary here. So I love that. And how did, just out of curiosity, how did she respond? She, um, she actually responded better than I had anticipated. Um, and I, there were things that I came to her for advice for. So I honored my word is that when I needed advice, I was going to ask. Um, and you know, there was, there was one time that she was babysitting and, um, she threatened to spank my son if he didn't do X, Y, Z. And, and she told me about it first. And then my son told me about it. And I came back to her and I was like, you know, I would, I would appreciate even the threat, not being there because it's an empty threat and um because I've asked you you know not to spank him and and so forth so we've had um you know multiple conversations about it but we our relationship is is intact and preserved and I haven't always communicated so well with her um I have been triggered by this person when I didn't have all the information um and you know, one time she was babysitting and, and, um, she was, she gave, gave him chicken and he's a very picky eater and he likes chicken. He just didn't want chicken. And so he told me that she was mean and was making him eat something he didn't like. And I made that mean all kinds of different things. Um, and I, you know, went off, (laughs) in, in a text message because that's how brave I was. Um, and you know, and that was, that was damaging to the relationship. So I've experienced both and, um, and I've told her, you know, that's not going to happen again because I'm aware of it. And I know that I can ask you for 
um, for more information about the situation. And I don't have to listen to, he was probably five or six at the time, um, or maybe younger, but, um, you know, and not just trusting a five-year-old's version of events and, um, and asking for more information. So it was a growing opportunity for me and she's, you know, still, she's wounded from, from the attack. So, um, when I take him to her house for her to, to watch him, she, um, she asked me to bring food that he's going to eat (laughs) and that's her boundary. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So how old is your son now? My son is 11. 11. Okay, cool. Yeah. So mine are 13, 14, and 19. Um, so yeah, I always joke and say, in the moments of pain and sorrow, <laughs> I wonder God didn't give us teenagers in the beginning. We started with acute, cuddly, squishy babies, because if they, you know, if he did, it would, we were like, no, <laughs> less children. And We'd then, immediately boot them out of the nest. Like, we're done. <laughs> so done and gosh it's so cool and fun to um they're having their own perspectives and their opinions and the conversations are bigger and deeper and cooler and inquisitive and um and it's all the things and I have women listening that are either where I'm at or they're even completely empty nest or they're in the season of Hey, my kids are adults. They've got their own children and I'm in grandparenting phase. So how can we serve them today around this topic of this rule of being a good mom or if they've experienced or are experiencing guilt? How do they how can we help them begin to move through that and maybe see it in a different way? Yeah, I do want to address the teenager thing for just a second, because I heard somebody very brilliantly say that teenagers are the toddler stage of adulthood. Ah, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's just a little bit of a perspective sh- shift because we expect toddlers to act a certain way and it it's age appropriate for teenagers to act a certain way. Um, and it's just the toddler stage of adulthood. <laughs> That's so true. So true. And it makes me giggle. So it shifts the perspective that way too. Absolutely. You have to giggle. That that helps. <laughs> if you don't giggle, you'll just pull all your hair out. Or... <laughs> um, but yeah, so guilt is, is really, um, it's not child age specific, I don't think, in... And I watched a Facebook, Instagram, TikTok reel, whatever it was. Um, somebody sent it to me and, and a mom was saying, can we just stop labeling these things as mom guilt? Because I shouldn't feel guilty because for taking my child on a bike ride when I have a to-do list as as long as, I, I think she said, as an anaconda, <laughs> but um and it's like, yes, we could stop labeling those things as as mom guilt, but it the changing the label doesn't change the problem. And the what it boils down to is your values. You mentioned it earlier, because we have an idea of what a good mom does 
or doesn't do. So in my earlier example, if I have a, um, um, a rule that good moms don't spank their kids, which is a chapter in the book, <laughs> um, it's like, if you have that rule, good moms don't spank their kids and you spank your kid, logically, what does that mean? I'm not a good mom. So then if I stop spanking my kids, I still spanked them at one point. So even though I don't do it now, I could still feel guilty that I spanked him. And there's nothing I can do about the fact that I spanked him. I can't go. I, there's no time travel. <laughs> I can't undo it. And so now I, so many moms are walking around with that guilt of what they did that they can't change because guilt is a notification. I was driving my fiance's car at one point and he had all the bells and whistles. It was the first time we had a car that had all the, had the net, the, where it would sense that somebody else was in front of you or about to hit you, or you're about to hit somebody and it would beep at you. So I was driving his car and somebody turned left in front of me rather closely. And I tapped to the brake or I had to tap the brakes and the car just beep, 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 beep. And I yelled back at the car. I said, it's not my fault. They pull pulled in front of me. And my fiance said, yeah, it wasn't an accusation. It was a notification. And that's what our guilt is. It's notification that what we're doing or not doing is out of alignment with a value or with what we which in other words what we think is a good person or a good mom does and sometimes we can change the behavior and sometimes that's not the problem it's already in the past it's not some or it's not something we can change if you feel bad that you're a working mom and you have the rule that good moms stay home with their kids what, what if you're a single mom? Mm. Like, cause I'm pretty sure that a good mom also keeps a roof over their head. Right. So it's like, we have some, some conflicts that we have to deal with. Mm. So really, really taking, on. yeah. Let's just pause on that statement. Guilt is a notification, not an accusation. I love that. It's my, it's my favorite thing that I've, that I've said. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm not sure that that's in the book. I think I thought of that after the fact. Yeah. Your fiance's car. That was like, yeah. it's yeah. amazing what um the world, you know, that we live in, if we really are paying attention, it can teach us a lot. Right. I love mm -hmm. that. Uh, just based on our responses because yeah, how you re reacted to it. So before we I have some ideas too of like what's it like when you know um kind of guilt is coming it's all belief systems we understand that whether it's family of origin or culture but this might be a new concept for somebody listening and they really feel guilt over something that they chose or didn't choose related to their kids um whether it's around you know something that is culturally quote unquote acceptable 
or not, but they have the belief, like you said, that's so true. Oh, you know, good moms don't work, but if you're single, yeah, you do. Cause you got to pay the bills and feed your kids. Right? right. So let's just say if some, there is a mom that's have having that or felt that, then what does she do? Like, how does she move through it? If this, this is something just looming over her. The specific, that specific guilt is, you know, what we need to do is realize that we are providing other needs for them and we can do our best to make sure that the people that, that are, you know, taking care of them or filling the needs while we're doing other things, filling other needs that we know that, that they're taken care of. Um, one way that I solved that was um, that my child needs interactions with people besides myself to be a well-rounded person. Our children need love and attention and affection from people and they need to experience the way other the way other people think and just to be, you know, more well-rounded. But it's going to be an individual solution for each person, you know. But that is something that I, that I worked through. Most of the chapters um, that I wrote were things that I worked through, were things that I had felt guilty about. And, you know, it's, it's, understanding what your values are as a mom and how are you filling them personally and how are you getting them filled other uh, elsewhere right because we can't be the whole kitten caboodle for our children like the, physically we can't like it's just that's not and i don't think that if we could that that would even serve them because they need, they need other people in their lives. They get it from everywhere. <laughs> so I wonder if we have, um, <clears throat> how does that work? I think about women that really struggle with, I believe it's more of the battle of a lot of times what the world says what their spouse says, what their friends are doing. I've actually worked with a client that really loves her work and loves what she does. And however, she is conflicted because there are so many women in her community that whether they choose not to work or they're financially, you know, able not to work, whatever their reason, she has felt pressure from even her children of, Hey mommy, why are you not able to come to the PTA? Why are you, you know, I see such and such as mom. And then there's other moms too, that, you know, would make comments and where she realizes that she is in conflict because she re does really love what she does. She did. She struggles really hard with that. So I'm wondering from your perspective, 
Um, how would you help her navigate? We've talked about this and I just kind of want to hear what you would say. Um, just navigating that with her kids, with her spouse, maybe if she could address it with the other moms, if someone actually said something to her. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, the So number one, if she wasn't feeling the guilt, then other people's comments wouldn't touch her because Michelle, you very clearly have blonde hair in case your listeners don't know that you have blonde hair. And if I was to say to you, you have the ugliest purple hair that I've ever seen, you wouldn't be offended and you would think that I was crazy because you clearly don't have purple hair. So the the that's the notification for her is that when people say it it does bother her but what I heard you say several times was that she enjoys her work so is it and you know is it a choice for her to work or is it not is it like is it not a choice and if it's not a choice and she enjoys what she does then she's blessed (laughs) because <laughs> that's not you know I don't know a lot of people that it's not a choice and they also mm. love what they do yeah um eh, that's not a true statement but um it's what she's showing her children is that that she that she's following her passion yeah and how what does that, what value does that hold in the world? And it's, it's hard to coach someone who's not in the room, but what I would say is what, what do you get out of going to work? And how does what you're getting out of going to work benefit your children? And, and have, and have a conversation with them. If they're saying, how come you don't get to go to the PTA? You know, of course our kids want to be with us. They want us to, they want us as part of our lives. And that's a, that's a blessing too, is that they, they love you and, and, give them the experience of like listening to how they're feeling. And it's, it's like this, I don't know, like an open dialogue with your children. You know, right now my, my work takes me to, to LA and I live about three and a half hours to LA from LA. And so I'm gone for a couple days a week and my son's been asking me like, why do you have to go down? Why do you have to go there? Why don't we just move? It's like, well, you don't even want to move across town because you want to make sure that you go to your friend, the same school. So how would that feel going to LA, you know? Um, And, you know, and I've told him like, I, I really love what I'm doing and I'm helping a lot of people. And this is just where, it's happening right now and I'll make the most out of the time that that we're together and you don't want to hang out with me 24 7 anyway and 
<laughs> and we can have more, we can have more quality time. Yep. Because the quantity of time I don't think matters of how long we're with our kids. I think it's the quality time that matters. Absolutely. Yes, I agree with all of that. Yeah. So that's what I'd say with her not being in the in the room and you know, not knowing all the details and and not being able to ask any questions. That's that's kind of what I would say. Perfect. Well, and I just wanted to put it here for all the ladies listening that Mike could relate for sure. Cause I think about just my journey, you know, mine are, like I said, mine are teenagers now. And, um, I have, um, always not had a financial choice not to work. And I have also always wanted to work because <laughs> yeah. I love, you know, I've been a hairstylist for 20 years and serving women and then been coaching for three, three now. And, um, but there's been seasons where, you know, things would pop up. And, and I love that, that we can recognize like, okay, so I'm feeling a little guilt here. This is a notification. This is not, so I read it down. Accusation. Accusation. So does it mean I'm doing anything wrong? Because so many of us, we live by this rule book of right and wrong. And, you know, a lot of it, I realize, recognize it came from my childhood. And, but just looking at, well, this looks different in this season and that open communication with our kids. That was for so long. I did not do that. And maybe it was just because of, you know, I've talked about this openly. I fell in patterns of avoiding inside of my relationship and that of course overflowed into my children. Or maybe I was looking at too many of the rules or how to parent or how not knowing that I really needed just to sit down with them and have a conversation. And that's what and I, I mean, that has helped the most is just talk to your kids, <laughs> no matter what age. And and I'll and I'll emphasize talk to your kids and not at your kids. And uh, that's something I sort of struggle with too and and Melanie has pointed that out and she goes why don't you ask him more questions Mm. and I'm like oh right you know having that the open dialogue with them that they're they're little people too and understanding that how they're feeling how they're feeling isn't an accusation either it's just how they're feeling Mm -hmm. and it's okay yeah. You know, my, my son is, gets very triggered by <clears throat> his height. Um, cause he's a little, he's probably shortest in sixth grade. And, um, and so he's also really good at everything that he does. So when he's not good or not the best, um, it's very triggering for him. And so he's not the best at swimming. And I talked to the coach and asked like, what, what can we do to, um, to help him? And he said, and the coach was like, well, he's short, so he's going to be slower. And I was like, well, I can't tell him that that's not going to work. And, you know, we got, we got into the car and my, and, and my son was very frustrated and really beating up on himself. And I got defensive and I realized I got defensive. And after my defensiveness, I said, I'm sorry, but you're talking about my kid. And I'm going to defend my kid. Mm. Even if that's you. 
I'm going to defend you against you if I have to. Um, And the next time he had the same experience, he had the same emotions pop up again. Um, I listened better. And, you know, we, we had a, I just, I mostly just listened that time. And then he said, I just need to be by myself for a little while. And I said, okay. And then he fell asleep. And then when he woke up, (laughs) we had another conversation and he was like, mom, I really need a hug. My love bucket is really empty. And that's our, um, our language for, you know, I like, I need, I need extra love. I'm feeling down. And, and I said, um, I said, I'm happy to give you a hug and I will give you a hug anytime you need it. And I want you to understand, I want you to recognize that the reason you're feeling down right now is because of how you were talking to yourself and about yourself and your, your body, your, your inner being, your, your, your sense of self, like it, it doesn't like how you're talking to yourself. And that's why you need a hug. And when you talk nicer to yourself, you're going to feel better. And you're you're not going to need as many hugs, and I'll still give them to you, whether you need them or not. <laughs> you know, but it's so much of how we talk to ourselves, and that's our job as parents is to help them and realize and and understand internally how they're feeling, how to express it in a healthy way, how to talk to themselves in a healthy way like those are the things that are our job as parents and in 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 the history of humanity we've said children are meant to be seen and not heard and shut up man up get tougher put your big boy pant pick your bit put your big girl panties on like it it's very like stop feeling that way okay (laughs) (laughs) let me just flick a switch and stop feeling the way that I'm feeling um and and this this generation um that's coming of age now is very in touch with their emotions and our job is as you know millennials gen x's you know it's our job is to help them with those emotions and it's hard because Nobody was helping us with our emotions. Uh, <laughs> Nobody showed that to us. We don't know how to do it. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's like my favorite thing to dive in and nerd out about too, because I was there and I spent a lot of my earlier raising my kids, not teaching them how to express, not knowing myself how to express most of my community. That's one of the biggest challenges of like feeling their feelings or even learning um, how to feel them safely or express them. And so I think that's where a lot of it comes from too, is I could have had guilt looking back and I've worked through some things just as I've come to new awareness as how I parented my kids, but I've also healed so much of my, myself that I've been able to see like, Oh, she just didn't know. Like that version of Michelle, she didn't know either. So she was, stuffing them 
and telling them to not feel or, you know, trying to change the behavior. But if my kids, kids could tell you now, <laughs> they'll be like, oh my gosh, you get some of my nerves, you know, now, because, you know, I'm, I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about it. How are you really feeling about this? And, and things like that, but just giving them the opportunity now to not only express it, and teach them safely because my son, he can get really, you know, filled with anger and I've got some boundaries around it. Like, hey, I'm cool if you're angry, but this is how you're going to release it because we need to make sure it's done in a safe way. And I am teaching them things for their future. Mm -hmm. And it's not always done in one conversation. Like you were saying, like he took a nap and then he went back up. And I think a lot of times as parents too, and moms, especially we're like, okay, how can I fix this now? How can I make them feel better now? And we may not get to help them move through it right now. They may have to experience their feels for a while. I think the key is like you said, being that safe space, being that soft hug and a listener. Cause if anything, I can tell you my kids, when I do press and I don't leave space for them to vent without me trying to fix or solve, they shut down. And that is, I'm blocking their healing if I do that. So I've learned, okay, let them, let them let it out. And I have to, um, like you said, you got defensive. A lot of times I'm like, stop talking to my daughter that way. You know, when, she, when they're beating <laughs> themselves up. In the yep. end, but I've got to realize that, oh, I need to check in with myself. And so how can I be the calm, safe space so that they can feel their feels and then we can talk about it later. And that's yeah. been a huge, huge journey for me. It's been, you know, I, I didn't realize until literally like 2023 that what I was doing where I was not comfortable with other people's emotions. And I think that's where a lot of us are. And a lot of us parent from that way. Like we don't want them to feel bad ever. Yep. And it's because we know how feeling bad feels and we want to protect our kids from, you know, bad feelings. And, and, um, and so when he would get into these moods, I would immediately jump to him and be like, hey, but like, look how great everything is. And like, let's go play over here. And like, just really try to shift the mood. Yeah. And at the time he would say, mom, stop. I just want to be angry. And I had to literally remove myself from the situation or allow him to remove himself from the situation in order for me to be okay with that. And, and now when he sees me sad, I, I swear he has freaking radar for when I have tears. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I cry, he immediately jumps into it's okay mom I love you and gives me hugs and like just like all the song and dance that I used to do and I was like oh wow. this is annoying <laughs> you're like "Ooh, I don't like this <laughs> I don't like it at all and and it's just a matter of like we're not comfortable with our emotions 
we're not comfortable with our negative emotions or the ones that we have labeled as negatives, the ones that don't feel as good as the positive, happy ones. Mm-hmm. And, um, but there's lessons inside every single emotion when you look for the lesson. Yep. Mm, so good. Mm-hmm. And like, now I'm at the point where it's like, I, I told my friend this morning, I freaking love getting triggered because I know that there's a lesson on the other side of the trigger. Yeah. And when I learn the trigger, when I learn the lesson from the trigger, I, I don't have to have that trigger anymore. Yeah. Like when I legit learn the lesson, some, some triggers have multiple lessons connected to it. When I learn the lesson from the trigger, it doesn't, ha- it doesn't come up anymore. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's the coolest thing. So it's like, oh, good. I can get rid of this soon. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> like, oh, let me carve out my time. Let's, let me work through this. <laughs> I mean, I, I labeled, I, I called it this way. I said like my current nemesis. <laughs> mm-hmm. that the person is the nemesis not the trigger but the the person i I label the nemesis but it is the trigger because the person is neutral the person if the person isn't doing it to every single person around it's not the person it's your trigger exactly and i'm going to shift the language and call the trigger the the nemesis but (laughs) well and the beauty in that for my listeners is because you know I help women stop over drinking and coping is what they do. Um, Mm. And all of this language, ladies, that you may be listening to right now, this is after years of work and processing and being able to feel our emotions and actually realize there is a lesson and be excited about the lesson and all those things. This is not something that you can just decide you're going to do, but this is the journey. And so even as we are sharing about mom guilt and emotions and how we work with our kids or encourage our kids, I I want you to be listening from a place of what's possible for you and hearing that, you know, maybe your spouse is a trigger, you know, maybe something that your kid is doing on a regular basis is a trigger, or maybe it's, um, something that happens daily at work, but understanding that there is a lesson there and you can get to where you don't have a huge reaction and need to cope. Don't you agree? Yes. And pro tip, you said it earlier, it's connected to your childhood. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever your husband or your coworker or your child is triggering, I would put money on it 99% of the time it's your it's from your childhood and it's and that's okay like at least now we have a place to look right it gives it's like a heat-seeking missile now you're like okay when did this happen in my childhood Mm -hmm. and you can ask yourself where does this show up in my body and really feel it when's the first time that energy showed up what age was I And it's okay if the answer doesn't come. 
you don't have even really ever have to know, but if, if you can connect, there was one thing from my childhood that I was like, if I have to go back to this memory one more time. So it's like, we're never done. It's like how many things are connected to this memory. But there was a lot of things connected to this memory. We call it the um, the arrested development. You know, there's something that happens. It's the first time you realize I'm not safe. Yep. And there may be lots of other times where you felt unsafe, but some, but they might all be connected to one and they might not be, but that was my experience is they were all connected to this one. And then once I felt like I got to the root of all of those, like I, I really genuinely feel like I've healed that, the memory of that incident. Mm. Another one showed up from a year earlier. (laughs) So it's like, we're never done. But it's like a, I don't know, it's kind of like an Easter egg hunt if you want to think of it in a fun way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Where, where can I find the next egg? Yeah. It's so cool. I was just, um, just got off a coaching client before this recording and I've been working with her for a while now. And um, it's just really cool to see because this is what we're talking about is this place of if we're going to be in pursuit of growth and healing, something's always going to come up. It's just how quickly are we able to notice it, feel it, accept it, heal from it, take the time we need um, and move through it. Because I just had something pop up for me personally last week, one of my avoidant patterns came up and there was part of me that just wanted to kind of be pissed and be like, Oh, why this is not supposed to be here. And then it's like, but wait, I caught it really fast where in the past I didn't even really know it was there. And I lived inside of it. She was in the lead and my audience has heard me talk about parts and as she, um, but it was really cool. Cause I was able to go, wait, I know this, I know where it came from. Now what? How do I feel it? But how do I take action? And I think that that is the beauty of this whole entire conversation as we finish up is moms, the best thing we can do is work on ourselves, work on our healing, our growth, our forgiveness. And that is that is the key to being able to intuitively parent and love our children. And I think it's important to recognize that in this work there's always something to be celebrated yes because this time you noticed it this time your reaction took five seconds longer this time you went back and journaled about it and got some insight there's always and then you repaired the damage like You know, there's so many times I've lost my cool on my son and I, I do, I go back and I think, what was the thought that created the emotion that created the reaction? 
And then I go back to my son and I say, this was the thought. This is what I saw you do or heard you do or heard you say. This was the thought that created this emotion, which created this reaction for me. And because I do that, he does it back to me now. Mm. And I have less of those reactions because I take the time to think about what created the feeling that created the reaction. What created the thought that created that feeling. And we talk about it. It's the best. You said we got to keep working on ourselves. It's the best thing that we can do for our children. And my, my podcast is called imperfect mommy. It will be raising enlightened children, um, starting in January. Um, but the it's better parenting through self-healing because as I've become a better person, I've become a better parent. Amen to that. Yeah. I love it. Thank you for your time and sharing your gifts. Um, so they can find you right now looking up podcasts, Imperfect Mommy Ing. And M-O-M-Y-I-N-G. I made up the word. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I love it. And then your Good Mom Rolls book is relaunching November 7th. How can they find that? November 7th. Yeah. So it'll be on Amazon. You can search my name, A-L-Y-S-I-A-L-Y-O-N-S. Um, you can search good mom rules and it, and it comes up. It's always exciting when I like Google myself and I come up. (laughs) It's a big deal. I love it. You know, I'm really, I'm really proud of this book in a way that I haven't been proud of it for the last three years. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about the relaunch. Very cool. Thanks again for your time. We appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Hey friend, before you go, I want to make sure that you know about the free masterclass that is available for you. It's the five steps to help you stop over drinking without stress and overwhelm. Download it for free today at setfreesisterhood.com slash masterclass. I would love for you to come join the Facebook community too. I will put the link in the show notes. And if you're ready to see what support would look like so that you could start walking out your future of being alcohol free and stepping into the woman who God is calling you to be, email me at michelle at setfreesisterhood.com. Until next time, stay blessed.